something in there and mix it up a little bit. That way we don't get stuck in a rut. Amen? If we get stuck in a rut, you might never get out. And so, uh, so it's, that's a good thing, not a, not a bad thing. Numbers chapter number 21. And as you're turning to quickly um, to, to those here and then those in, in the virtual world out there, the live stream world that we can't see, uh, they can see us, but we can't see them. Um, that uh, our, we're, we're kind of scaling back a little bit of our live stream. Uh, and, and some of it's by design, some of it's for, we have a lot of reasons, and I won't go into all of that, uh, but uh, the phone number is always available. Uh, there, there's, there's a lot more liberty with that, and we're not restricted with the phone number, and so, uh, so you can always call in, and our wonderful live stream guys will have that number up, at the end of the service, they put a thank you for visiting, blah, 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 and, and, uh, and they'll, that phone number's on there. And then our phone number, uh, or they'll probably put it on there, because uh, I know that they can do that. And then our phone number is also on the webpage. So if you ever don't know that, uh, you can go to anchorbaptistchurch.net, and, uh, and right there on the front page where it says live streaming, there's a telephone number. I think it's 339-20, I don't remember it now. I did know it at one point, uh, but I don't ever call it. Uh, because it would be awkward if I'm standing up here and then listening to myself on the phone. So I don't call it and I don't know. I do know it works because I, uh, I get reports and, and things of that nature. But, uh, and we're glad to do that and I'm glad that it can help people out. I really am. Uh, but there is a lot of logistics and a lot of consideration in doing all of that. And so it's not just so simple as turn on a camera and be done with it. Uh, and so we appreciate your patience with us as we... Uh, we do that, and, and I was telling the fellows back there, I said, you know, Lord willing, uh, we'll, we'll get back to normal. And, and I thought, man, I, what is normal anymore? I mean, we're almost an entire year of, of, of abnormal, and now it almost seems, no, it doesn't seem like normal. It still doesn't. <laughs> but, uh, but it is difficult to know what, what is normal, when normal will be. Uh, so I just wanted to say that really briefly. And, uh, and bear with us as we work through all those things. And, and, uh, and of course, we're glad you're here this evening. Uh, Numbers, chapter number 21. As we look through here, uh, you'll know, you, if you were here this morning, uh, and, and maybe you were in a class or junior church, but I, I basically preached my Sunday night message for Sunday morning. And uh, uh, I, I knew I was going to do that. It wasn't Sunday morning. I got up and said, hey, I think I'll do this. Uh, I, I knew when I was working on things that that's the way it was going to work out. And, and uh, as I was looking over my, we've been going through in Sunday school, the adult Sunday school class, uh, a series that I've been working through uh, entitled Streams in the Desert. And, uh, and it has been a thorough blessing to me. I started it back, of course, Pastor and I, we alternate back and forth on Sunday morning. So uh, every other Sunday morning, I've, I've done a lesson. And so it's stretched really long. Uh, and so that's okay. I, I, it's kind of worked out good. Uh, but I thought, you know, it is such a blessing and such an encouragement that I want our Sunday night crowd uh, to be blessed by the same series. And so I thought, we'll, we'll dive into one of uh, those tonight, and, uh, and hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. And so it's streams in the desert. The idea is that uh, being in a desert place, there's no water. When we lived in uh, Peru, we traveled way up to the uh, well, to the southern border, to Chile, and, uh, and then we traveled to the northern border as well uh, l- many years later, and, uh, and there is a lot of desert in Peru. And uh, I forget if it's the northern desert or the southern desert, but one of them is, is one of the driest deserts in the world. It is not the driest, but it's way up there within the top ten 
uh, driest deserts in the world. I did not know that. And, uh, and man, when you're going through a desert, uh, there is nothing but sand and sand and more sand. Uh, I mean, there is just literally nothing. And I've seen it where you're driving and you look out and, and you, you really literally think, is that water over there? And, uh, and the closer you get to it as you drive by, you realize, no, that, that wasn't water. And, uh, and so it, I could imagine if you're on horseback or if you're walking through a desert, as many uh, old, old-time traveling had to be done that way, uh, boy, you would really want to know where the oasis was. You would want to know where the watering holes are because, uh, and it can be a great expanse of, of dryness that you just cannot even see to the end of. So the idea is, uh, that we've been in a dry spell, spiritually speaking. Uh, we've been in a dry spell with all the circumstances that have been going on, and we want that stream and that blessing of the water coming up to the oasis and catching that blessing out of the Word of God. And so that's kind of what this series deals with. In Numbers chapter number 21, the Bible says this in verse number 1, And when King Ared the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies. Then he, brought, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities." And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites and they utterly destroyed them and their cities and he called the name of the place Hormah. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And let's stop right there. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity that we have to dive into your word and to uh, find uh, encouragement and find, um, find water, Father, for the thirsty soul. And God, I pray that you would bless. I pray, Father, that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. And God, may we be encouraged. May we be blessed. May we uh, find water in your word, Father, uh, this evening. And God, I pray that you would just bless each and every person. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we come through the book of Numbers... Uh, the nation of Israel has, of course, left Egypt uh, where they were in slavery for a long time. And, of course, all the plagues have taken place. They have traveled to the Red Sea. And you know the story that there at the Red Sea, uh, they, they, the Egyptians were coming behind them to destroy them. And, and here was a people with no army, no training as far as fighting. And the Red Sea's before them and the Egyptians are behind them. And, uh, and they didn't know what to do and they were discouraged. They cried to God, and of course Moses took, and, or God rather, took and opened up that Red Sea, and, and, and the nation of Israel crossed that Red Sea on dry ground. It was one of the, I believe, one of the greatest miracles of the Old Testament. Just incredible. Uh, I would have loved to have seen that. And I, like I've said this before, I, I hope they have instant replay of that in heaven. I want to I see that. It's, it's just amazing to me. 
And so they crossed over on dry ground, and, and in the book of Numbers, you find the nation of Israel traveling throughout the wilderness and throughout the desert, and that's when God had supplied the manna for them, and uh, there's many things that have taken place uh, throughout the desert experience as they've traveled through that dry and barren land. And we find here in chapter 21, in the first uh, a few verses there, that uh, there was a, a war that had taken place, and, and this other nation had come and taken um, captive some of the na- some of the Israelites and and uh, and taken them captive and so the nation of Israel prays to God and says hey God give us strength and we will go and attack this other country and they're building up some courage what is taking place you've got a nation who has never been in war they don't have an army they don't have any military strategy uh, strategy, uh, no military experience, and uh, and they're they're getting a little bit of that, and they're getting some experience, and they're getting uh, some of the information around, and getting organized per se, and and we find that they ask God to help them, and they they go up and they attack that that place, and of course they destroyed that. And they, they had a complete victory in verse number 3. They, they conquered uh, that, that entire thing. And as they were going, the Bible says there in verse number 4, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. In other words, that they would go around the, the nation of Edom so as not to pass through it and not have to have more war. And the Bible says here, And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And as we look at this verse 4, I want us to notice the uh, avenue that they were taking. Of course, there was the great conquering in verses 1 through 3. And you'd look at that and you'd say, man, uh, there was victory. They ought to be victorious. They ought to be happy. They ought to be excited that, uh, that, man, they have conquered this land. Uh, But sometimes in your life, when you have victory over something, and you've gained some ground, and you've gained some experience, and when you should be excited, and you should be happy about what's taken place, sometimes you can get discouraged. You start thinking about this, say, man, that was really close. I I didn't think we were going to make it through that. And, and they start to recount it in their mind, and, and they might even have thought, man, you know, if we, if we have to go through another battle like that, we're not going to make it. It's going to be too much for us, and our people aren't strong enough, and, and we don't have enough strategy. And, and they can start to get discouraged as they're going on their way, as they're traveling down this path. And the Bible says here in verse number 4, and the people was much discouraged because of the way. And I want us to notice that not only uh, did they, they win this battle, but then there was, uh, there was a challenge in the path that they were taking. They, they may have started talking about this nation they just destroyed, but then the Bible says, hey, they were compassing about Edom. In other words, maybe Edom was a much bigger area and a much larger people. And they're saying, well, we won the war against those guys, but you know what? I don't think we could tackle Edom. I mean, that's a bigger problem. And the Lord is circumventing and going around Edom and, and maybe they're scratching their head and they're saying, well, I don't understand why. And, and man, this is, this is looking difficult. And, and as they're going down that avenue and as they're going down that path, we find that they become discouraged in the way. 
Listen, sometimes, as you well know, uh, with, with almost a year, Pastor was mentioning this morning that our missions month is coming up here in March, and, and as we're coming up to March, last March, our, we got halfway into our missions month, and then uh, all of a sudden all chaos broke out in the news and media and all of that, and, and everything kind of shut down, and, 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 and for a while nobody really knew what was going on, and nobody knew what was coming, and there was certainly a lot of confusion no doubt. And after we've traveled through an, an almost an entire year of this past year, maybe you've grown to the point in your life that, hey, you're discouraged by the way. Because the path has been a difficult journey. There's no doubt about it. There's been struggles. There's been obstacles that you have had to face in your life that you've never experienced before. Just like the nation of Israel. They're facing obstacles, they're facing enemies, they're facing situations that they've never had to walk through, that they've never experienced in their life. And as we go through them, listen, the length of that journey can really weigh on your shoulders and start to drag you down. And while you are plodding along and you are moving forward and you are continuing, perhaps it's starting to weigh on you and you're starting to get discouraged because of the way. And the nation of Israel became discouraged. And, and listen, it doesn't just have to be uh, because of a global pandemic. Sometimes situations in our life that we carry on for years and years and years, maybe it's a burden that we're bearing, and, and maybe there's circumstances that we can't change, and there's nothing really that we can do about it. And while we're plodding ahead, and we're doing the best we can under the circumstances that we're under, uh, maybe it's becoming discouraging as we're moving forward. I don't know what the situation may be. Everyone's life is a little bit different. But I can tell you here in the Word of God that the nation of Israel started to get discouraged. And they were, matter of fact, the Bible says, much discouraged because of the way. And perhaps you have an avenue that is a difficult road or path for you to trod, and maybe it's difficult, and maybe there's discouragement. I want you to notice not only the avenue, but I want you to notice the action. As we look at verse number 5, look with me there. And, I, and I, as we look at this, may we take heed and may we take warning to not replicate what the nation of Israel has done. Look at what they say in verse number 5. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. Now just verse number 5, let's just stop there for a moment and think about everything that was just mentioned in that verse. I want you to notice the very first phrase. The Bible says, and the people spake against God. You know, there's many times, there's times in people's lives when they, they are, they're, they're, they're good people. They're, they're in the way and they're walking with the Lord, but the way does become discouraging at times. And the way can be a weight on their shoulders that at some point in that trail going down that road, uh, that they would start to complain against God. 
And may we take great warning of that. Uh, I remember, I, I may have told this before, I don't recall, but uh, I remember as a young person, uh, when I had gotten into, or I had been in an accident, and I was, uh, I, was uh, I think, in ninth or tenth grade in high school, I don't recall now, and, and, uh, and I ended up in the hospital for almost two weeks, and, and flat on my black, and, and I, don't, I don't like hospitals, number one. I'm grateful for the people that work there and help us out. I am. I just don't like to go see them. If I can avoid them, I will. And so I ended up in the hospital. But then I don't, I don't like to sit still. I mean, maybe some people are like, man, two weeks laying in the hospital, that would be like a good vacation, you know. And, and, but I, I, I don't like to lay still. I mean, it was, it was terrible. And, and I remember as a young person, I mean, I was raised in church my whole life, and I remember laying there in the hospital, and, and of course you have all the time in the world, there's nothing to do. And, and, uh, and so as I laid there, and, and I would think in my mind, I'd think to myself, God, why did this accident happen to me? And I wasn't angry, and I wasn't upset, but rather I was... I was looking for the purpose and the reasoning behind what was going on. And listen, sometimes in our life, there's times when we may go through a difficult circumstance or a difficult period, and it's not wrong to ask God what is the purpose of it, but we better be careful that we're not upset or, as as the Bible would say about Job, uh, charging God foolishly. The Bible says that Job did not charge God foolishly. And so we should be careful that we do not charge God foolishly. And we do not come after God uh, saying, God, uh, now I'm living for you and I'm doing what's right and, and all of a sudden you do this to me. That would be charging God foolishly. That would be complaining to God. And that's what the nation of Israel started to do. The people spake against God. Now listen, when you start to speak against God, it goes a lot further than just what's coming out of the tongue. Because the Bible says in Luke chapter number 6 and verse 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. And so when somebody starts to grumble against God and complain against God, it's really coming from their heart. And listen, it's, it's time to check up your heart and say, listen, maybe I need to re-examine where I'm at in my life. Maybe I need to re-examine my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe I need to re-examine my trust for God. Do I really implicitly trust God with my life? That He knoweth the right way that I take. That He would know every path. And, and that, uh, that all things work together for good to them that love God who are called according to His purpose. We need to evaluate that. But the nation of Israel at this point, uh, they, said, they started speaking against God. We need to be careful of that and guard against that. And I want you to notice, not only did they speak against God, but look at what the Bible says. And the Bible says, and the people spake against God and against Moses. Now here's Moses. He, way back, if you go back to the beginning of his life, he thought, man, I'm going to lead these, this nation of Israel out of Egypt. 
He did not like the injustice that was taking place. Matter of fact, if you recall the story, the Bible says that he slew a man when he saw some injustices taking place. And the next day he goes out and he sees two more uh, Israelites fighting and he, and he confronts them and says, hey, what's going on? And the Israelites say, hey, are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian fellow? And he realizes, man, these, well, I have no grounds here. And, and not only that, but now he's wanted for murder. And so Moses leaves uh, the entire area for quite some time. And he goes and lives on the backside of a desert. And while he's there, um, eventually, God calls Moses and says, Hey, Moses, I want you to lead my nation out of Egypt. And Moses, he didn't say this, but this is kind of what he meant. Already been there, done that, ain't happening. I can't do that, God. I don't have a voice. I'm not a good speaker. And he gives God all kinds of excuses. And finally, he submits to God and, and he says, okay, I will go. And, uh, and, and of course, God had to uh, convince him. He said, well, then you talk to Aaron and, and, and I'll talk to you and you talk to Aaron and Aaron will talk to Pharaoh. That's the way it'll be. And, and so finally, Moses agrees. And so Moses goes back to Egypt and, and he reluctantly, if I could say it that way, brings the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Of course, there are all those plagues that take place. They get all the way up to the Red Sea, and the first sign of conflict, the nation of Israel turns on Moses. They start to complain to Moses. Now here's Moses, he didn't want to be in that position in the first place. But here he is, obeying God and following God, and, and now the nation of Israel has turned on him, and, and they're complaining to him, and so uh, he cries to God, and God opens the sea, and they get to the other side, and they didn't get even a week's journey into the wilderness, and the people start to complain to Moses again. And Moses talks to God again. And God intervenes, and time and time again we see this, and we here we see in in in, in chapter twenty one. Uh, I don't even know how many times that this same scenario has played out over and over and over, and the people have complained against God, and they've complained to Moses, and and they've complained against Moses, and Moses. Uh, you would think he'd say, you know what, man, I quit. I'm done with you guys. You guys can live out here in the wilderness by yourself, and I'm, I'm going back home and forget you people. But he didn't do that. We find that the people started talking about Moses, and, and listen, naturally, because they were unhappy with God, uh, they would not be happy with the man of God, and they blamed their position on Moses and, and their good discontentment with God, whom they could not see, whom they could not directly talk to, was poured out to Moses, and their discontent and their, 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 their lack of relationship with God was all thrown in the face of Moses. We're talking about the actions that took place. And I'm just saying we need to be careful that, hey, when we get discouraged in the way that we, we, we don't uh, charge God foolishly and we don't uh, start talking against the man of God, they were blaming Moses for where they were and for what they did not have. When it was God who actually had led them out of Egypt, I want you to notice here, that's their reaction. Look at their complaint. They said, uh, they, Wherefore have ye bought, brought us out, up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth 
this light bread. You know what they were complaining about right there? They were complaining about the manna that God had sent. The very provision of God. The miraculous provision of God. When they first got it, man, it was exciting. It was fresh. Matter of fact, they gave a description of what it tasted like and and how they absolutely loved it. And and after time has gone on and and they've become discontented with where they're at and discontented with how things are not progressing fast enough for them and and how they're uh, upset about all the circumstances that they're living in and they, they complain to God and they complain to Moses and they're no longer content with what God has given them. There's a great lesson of contentment that we need to learn. Sometimes when we're trudging down a, a hard road and a hard path, and, and we need, may we be careful that we don't take the action that they took and become discontented with the provision that God has given us. Listen, that's, it's easy to do. I've done it in my own life. Where you say, man, I, I don't like what God has given me, and I don't like the path that God has led me down, and I don't like the, the, uh, the place that God has brought me to, and, and I don't like how God is treating me, and, and you think, well, God should treat me better. Listen, may we be careful of our actions and the thoughts of our heart. Maybe we don't always utter them to people, but you're thinking them in your heart. Listen, it will spill out of our mouth if we're not careful. That's the actions of the people in verse number 5. Look at the actions of God in verse number 6. The Bible says, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Now you say, well, why did God do that? Well, God, God does have the prerogative to punish His children as he sees fit. And listen, this is not the first time. Okay? We, we could go all the way back and we could, we could and I, I, hey, I'd encourage you, go back and read it. Read from the book of Exodus and find out where they were and, and read through how many times they complained against God and they were upset about the water and about the bread and about the, uh, this and that. These are not new complaints. These are the same old complaints that have resurfaced time and time again and they're still complaining about it. And God says, hey, that's enough. I'm going to send a punishment to them. And He punishes them with fiery serpents. Now, listen, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 5, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Listen, when God punishes you and when God is upset with you, you know what the best thing is to do? Submit yourself to Him and say, you know what, God, I'm wrong. And I'm sorry. And I want to get it right. Because if you buck against that, uh, listen, the whole reason that God does punish His children, it says it right there in Hebrews 6.11, or 12.6, I mean, it says, for whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. You know, the reason that parents will punish their children is not because they like to punish. Now, the, the kids might think they do. But that's not the reason. The reason is because the parents want what's best for their child. 
and they're trying to, they're trying to form them and, and help them in life. And, and, and listen, it's not an easy job and it's not always a fun job, but listen, it's a necessary job. And, and when God has to punish His children, He'll do so. And, and this is the case that He does here in verse number 6 of Numbers of our text. He says that He was uh, sent a punishment and took His hand, or allowed the fiery serpents rather, to come into the people. And many people died. And you think about that for a little bit, and you think, that's a serious punishment. I mean, God is dealing here with a nation. By the way, this is not the only punishment uh, that the nation did receive. I, I just was reading in my devotions, totally separate this morning, uh, and I think it was long numbers, chapter number 15 or 16, I don't recall now, when uh, they offered strange fire unto God, and, and Moses came out and he said, hey, uh, why don't you open up the ground and swallow them up? And, and the Lord did that. He opened up the ground and they, they got swallowed up into the ground. And then the Bible says that He sent a plague too. And Moses said, hey, Aaron, get you the good, the good incense and the right fire and, and go offer a sacrifice for these people. And as soon as Moses, or Aaron had done that, the Bible says that the plague was stayed. But if I remember right, it was some... Um, several thousand people had died in that plague. What I'm saying is sometimes God does punish His people. And, and listen, uh, I, would I don't want to be on the receiving end of that. I, mean, I want to make sure I have a good account with God. And I don't want anybody to be on that end of it, the receiving end of God's wrath or the receiving end of God's punishment. But the fact of the matter is, uh, sometimes that takes place. Look with me at verse number 7 and we'll see the reaction of the people. In verse number 7, the Bible says this, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto... Pray unto the Lord that He take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. You know what they did? Here's the reaction that we can learn from. When you do mess up, and you do find yourself uh, in the wrath of God, you recognize your sin. They did that. They recognized very clearly that they had sinned against God because they, they had complained against God and their heart was not right with God. Not only that, but they, they recognized their sin of complaining to Moses. And they said, listen, our heart was not right with God and our heart was not right with you and we didn't do things right and we recognized that and they confessed that. The Bible says in, uh, I believe it's in Proverbs 28 and I think it's along verse 13, it says... Um, that if you try and, I'm going to summarize the verse, if you cover your sins, you're, it's not going to help you. It's going to be a problem. But if you confess your sins, hey, that there's mercy with God. And they, they did that. They confessed their sin and they said, hey, we're going to go to God and we're going to confess our sins. And they did that. They went to God. They were repentive. Uh, they, they confessed and they repented of the sins and they requested of Moses. They said, hey, pray for us. I love the end of verse number 7. The Bible says, and Moses prayed for the people. I don't think... Anybody, anybody would have thought 
perhaps ill of Moses if he'd have been like, I'm not praying for you people. I mean, you look at what all that he has been through and all that he had endured leading the nation of Israel that was constantly complaining, and, and, and if he would have done that, now he didn't do that. Moses was a very meek and, and, and very Christ-like man. And he said, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. And we see the compassion of Moses' heart, and he, and he did, and, and Moses forgave those people for speaking ill of him, and, and, and he forgave them, and he prayed, and he made intercession for them. And, and what a phenomenal leader Moses was in this situation. And listen, when somebody wrongs you or somebody uh, speaks ill of you, and listen, our job is to forgive, just like Moses did. You say, well, you don't, you don't know what they said. Well, we don't know what all they said against Moses. And this wasn't the first time either. You don't know how they, uh, they, 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 got a, they got a posse up and they were fixing to string Moses up. Maybe they've, they've done that to you. Listen, Moses forgave them and he prayed for them. Look with me at verse number 8. We can see the action of the people of God and of Moses, and we can see the avenue that they were traveling down was a a difficult path, and it brought discouragement to them, and it brought them to the place. But I want you to notice what the answer is in verse number 8. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. Now, just a couple thoughts about this. In verse number 7, they said this, Pray unto the Lord that He take away the serpents from us. They were saying, listen, we know we're sin. we've sinned, we know we were wrong, We're asking God to remove the serpents out of our camp. That was their prayer. That was probably Moses' prayer as well. And God said, no, we're not doing that. You're going to live amongst the serpents. Now, as I was reading that, I thought, that's kind of a strange way to deal with it. But God deals with stuff different than we would expect or think. And God says, no, you're going to live there with those serpents. And, and, and what I want Moses to do is to make a, a brazen serpent and to lift it up on a pole so that anywhere in the village, anywhere in the encampment, it is visible. Now, as I read that and I thought, listen, God is against idolatry and certainly this is not an idol. And I'll tell you why it's not an idol. Who on earth is going to worship a snake that bites them and kills them? Nobody. Matter of fact, the more I thought about that, the more I thought you have to look at your sin every time that you look up to that brazen serpent and be reminded that this punishment was brought on you because of your own wickedness of your heart. But then he also wanted them to look past that and look up to heaven and say there is a God who sits in heaven, who will forgive your sins. And He'll love you. And He'll deal with you. And He'll allow you to continue living if you'll have the faith to look upward to Him 
And we find the answer was not the removal of the serpents. Listen, sometimes you'll go through a difficult way. Sometimes you'll be struggling along in your life. Sometimes it'll take a long time as you go down that journey. And you'll ask God and you'll say, God, won't you just remove the obstacles? Won't you just take care of the problem? And God will say, no, I don't want you. I don't want the problem to be taken care of. I want you to continue living in it. But trust me. And look to me in your life. It's interesting and it's curious that God did not remove the serpents out of their campment. But said, no, I want you to live in it. And I want you to look to me. And keep your eyes pointed to me. Turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy. Save your spot there. Um, Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Save your spot in numbers. We'll be back there. But in Deuteronomy chapter number 8, Deuteronomy says after numbers. Deuteronomy chapter number 8 and verse number 15. Look with me here. This is an interesting verse. And Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter number 8 and verse number 15. He's kind of recapping all that took place. And he says in, well, go back to verse 14. We'll kind of catch a little bit of context there. And he says in verse number 14, Then thy heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. He's warning them, saying, Hey, be careful that you don't forget about God who brought you out of Egypt. And he goes on in verse number 5, 15. And he says, Who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and there was no water who brought thee forth out of the rock of flint and fed thee in the wilderness with manna which thy fathers knew not that he might humble thee and that thou might and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end And then when you read this and you look at that and you say, well, there were fiery serpents in the wilderness and it was a a great and a terrible wilderness and there was uh, scorpions and there were drought. Obviously, there was no water and and all the problems. And as I read that, I thought, you know, there, there, there could have very well been fiery serpents throughout the entire wilderness. And God very well could have been keeping those serpents at bay, protecting. His, uh, the nation of Israel as they went through that wilderness and finally when they crossed a line and when they crossed a point God said fine I'm going to remove my hand of protection I'm going to remove my hand of blessing and allow the fiery serpents to come in it could have very well been just a natural cause that God allowed to happen to those people because they sinned against him and he said I'm going to remove my hand of blessing And once God removed His hand of blessing, He said, listen, now they're there. And they asked Him to remove them, but He didn't do that. And instead, they had to look up to that serpent. I don't know when that was removed, and I don't know how long that lasted. The Bible doesn't give us a real clear picture right there, and and it's not for sure. But one thing is for certain, that if they ever did get bitten, They could always look to that serpent and look past it and look to heaven and be reminded, hey, there's a God in heaven who knows that they messed up, but He wants to forgive them and He wants to help them. And if they'll look to Him, praise the Lord for God's goodness 
because He did. And He would heal them. That's that song that we sing so often, look and live. My brother, live. Look to Jesus now and live. Listen, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. May we keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and keep our eyes focused. Oh, the avenue may be rough, yes. The wilderness may get, may get tough. There might be scorpions. There might be fiery serpents. There might be droughts. There might be difficulty in the way. Uh, but listen, may we be careful that our heart does not become angry and upset with God. May we have a, a soft heart, a pliable heart that would say, God, I'm going to trust in you. I don't understand the circumstances. I don't understand why we're routing around the Edomites. I don't understand why there's fiery serpents around us and scorpions. And I don't understand all the dangers. And I don't understand why uh, sometimes it comes to the very end of the line and then you supply for our needs. But I do know this, God, that if, if that's what you want in my life, that I'm going to trust you. And that's what God wants of us. And that's what God was trying to teach the nation of Israel. And it was difficult for them to learn that lesson, but at the same time, listen, God supplied and God provided time and time and time again for the nation of Israel. And though the way may be hard, God is never late. And God will never fail you. He'll always take care of you. Keep your eyes focused on Him. Keep your heart tender. And stay following the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. What a blessing. The nation of Israel could be this picture and this example to us. May we guard our hearts against animosity towards the Lord. May we guard our hearts against discontentment, against murmuring, against complaining. For where God has put us, may we follow God with our whole heart and be open to His direction and His leadership. Father, I pray that You would speak to hearts as only You can. God, help us to be content. What a lesson of contentment they needed to learn. What a lesson, God, of provision and how you constantly provide for us. God, you're aware of where we're at. You're aware of all the inherent dangers that surround us. You're aware of every aspect of our life. And God, may we be so pliable as to trust you in every circumstance, in every situation. Help us, Father, to have soft hearts towards You and sweet spirits towards You. Father, we'll thank You for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God spoke into your heart, The altar is open. You can pray there in your seat.
grateful for a God that is so good to us, to be honest with you. If we got what we deserved, every one of us would be in hell. But in reality, God has been so good to us, taking us out of Egypt, out of the slavery, and out of the bondage to the world and to sin. Oh, and leading us through a wilderness, yeah, that's, it may be a tough road, but you know what? He, he doesn't expect us to go it alone. He's there with us every step of the way. He's providing, he's blessing, and he's helping us. What a good God we serve. What a blessing to have such a God who cares for us and would watch out for us.